Reading is Matthew 7, approximately page 972, if you have a church Bible, starting at verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They will come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly there are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Thank you, Tina, for reading that <coughs> passage to us. we just bow our heads in prayer before we start? Our dear Lord, Mary, Father, just pray your presence and spirit may be amongst us now as we just come to look at your word and to see what you have to say to us, Lord. Lord, we just pray that um, the meditation of our hearts and our lives before you may be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Um, when we used to go on family walks many years ago, um, my little son Joshua used to, he's about three or four, he used to come to me and say, Daddy, carry me, Daddy, I've got wobbly legs. And um, we never knew his condition or anything then, but it was quite interesting. And I feel tonight <laughs> the same myself. I need carried, I think, in the sense of. Um, sources of views, I suppose Don Carson and John Lennox and others, they've been helping me carry through this passage, and also the fact that in a sense I've got wobbly legs in the fact that I don't often do this, and this week's been quite difficult with having a cold and one thing and another and trying to sort out um, what I'm going to say, but here we are. Now, we're coming to the end of our series on Matthew, the greatest sermon ever told, um, well that's how it's been described by Nathan, which is the Sermon on the Mount the latter part of which we find in chapter 7 here. Um, in, in this um, part of chapter 7, there's been four options, or two options stated four times. There's been two ways, two trees, two claims, and two houses. Last week, Nathan did the two ways, and he made that into two gates, two roads, two groups, two destinations, one decision, or a thousand decisions. That was his... So I was listening, Nathan, last week. So what I'm trying to say from there is it's two. It's black and white, really. Um, you're either for it or against it. There's no halfway measures. And this is what really is being emphasised here. And, and tonight we're going to look at the middle two of those things, two trees and two claims. And next week, Steve's going to, Jones, we're going to look at the two houses or two foundations. Yeah, so two trees. Let's just pick up, that's a good start. <laughs> um, 
Matthew. I'll read that later on. Matthew 15. It says, Be on your guard against the false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. First of all, it says, Be. Be on your guard. Beware against the false prophets or false teachers. Um, be is an ongoing word, really. It's be, being. Um, so it's constantly be aware. And who is Jesus really talking to here but to us as sheep, really? We are the sheep of his pastures. Um, and we are gullible. I can say trusting by nature. Um, and whoever seems to say the right things or do the right things, we just accept them into our midst and our flow, really. People that pray the right way, or even dress the right way. Um, that's a big issue these days. Um, they seem pious, got the right religious cliches, and yet, and yet they can be very dogmatic or devious. Um, it could be quite charismatic, but then they can preach offering a good life, but they don't preach the whole gospel. Talk about love everybody, but then they do away with the bit of on judgment and things like that. So they gain a good following in that respect. And Jesus says, be, beware, be on your guard for these. We are to test preachers, basically, what they say and what they do. Um, just going to look at some verses here. Um, First of all, we've got Acts. This is the Berean church, which we all know about. Um, Acts 17, verse 11. It says, The people from here were more noble character than those from Thessalonica, since they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these were so. So they spent time studying the scriptures and even questioning what Paul was bringing to them so what he was saying was correct and true. Um, tonight's passages may be quite negative in one sense, and what we're looking at, um, bad fruit and false <coughs> prophets, but there is, there's also a good side to it. Um, I thought this afternoon, you don't imitate something that's bad. You in imitate a good thing, and a lot of this is going on imitations of a good thing, and that's Paul. Even Paul himself, um, tested himself and tested um, others around him and really um, if we read Galatians and I've got Galatians 2 here to start with but there's also another passage earlier on where he said he spent three years we went, he got converted in Damascus then spent three years in the wilderness and then he went to see the apostle Peter and discussed things with him for two weeks and then he went away again. And then we got this bit in Galatians. And this really shows why Paul is such a top theologian in that sense. He says, Then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. I went up according to the rev revelation. I presented to them the gospel. I preached among the Gentiles, but probably to those who recognized as leaders. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running in vain. And I'll just skip a few verses and then end of chapter 6. And he says, and they added nothing to me. In other words, they couldn't correct his theology. 
And who were they? He says in verse 9, when James, Cephas, and John, so you've got James, the brother of Jesus, who was the first leader of the church, um, John, who was disciple, of course, and um, Peter, called Cephas there, and then you've also got Paul himself. So that's, in a sense, the big four they talk about, all together agreeing with the gospel. And it says, on the contrary, they saw that I'd been trusted the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter was for the circumcised. So he's testing himself there, um, the Apostle Paul. That's why he's so good. And, well, half the New Testament is by him. Um, so that's why it's genuine in that sense. Um, and we, we, we sidetrack there. So he, he, he was tested himself. And I think we ought to test our preachers and those teachers amongst us today to make sure they are teaching the right gospel and they are genuine um, definition of prophets prophets is a messenger really that's for somebody else and they make claims speaking on behalf well in this case speaking on behalf of God um, we accept them as face value initially and then they take a following but the problem is False prophets have been around since the beginning of time. Again, we can look back to, and um, this is Moses in Deuteronomy, so that's how far we can go back, Most, Deuteronomy 13. It says here, If a prophet or someone who has dreams arises from among you, proclaiming signs and wonders to you, that signs and wonders he has promised comes about, but he says, let us follow other gods, which you have not known, and let us worship them, do not listen to that prophet, words, or to that dreamer. For your Lord your God is testing you to know whether you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and you must follow the Lord your God and fear him. You must keep his commandments and listen to him, and you must worship him and remain faithful to him. So even from the very beginning of time, in a sense, people were there pre preaching a false message which we are to be aware of and, and so Jesus says beware beware of false prophets and he's telling his thingies um, again um, a good one um, Jesus says in the last, in the last days um, there will be false prophets um, in um, Matthew 20 well here just a bit further on um, no, 24, get it right. Get the right passage first of all. Helps, doesn't it? Matthew 24, verse 11. And this is Jesus talking about the last days, really. And he says, um, 24, verse 11 of Matthew, Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, because lawless, lawlessness will multiply the love of many will grow cold. So he's still warning us there, even in the latter days, um, that many will forsake the way of the gospel and many false prophets will arise. Um, constantly being warned about it. Um, and I'll just read one more with um, Paul in, in mind in Acts 20. When he was leaving the church of Ephesus for the final time, physically for the final time, he left them the gospel, of course, and other things. 
but he met them and spoke to them and then he said these words um, Matthew 20, 28 he says be on your guard for yourselves and for the flock which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to the shepherd of the church of God which he purchased with his own blood I have known that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure disciples into following them therefore be alert remember that the night and the day the three years I never stop warning you about each one of you with tears so there he's really warning them again um, to focus on, on him on Jesus because there will be um, false prophets and be aware of the fact there is false prophets and really we shouldn't be surprised that if we do get false prophets because who is really in charge of false prophets shall we say um, in 2 Corinthians 11 13 15 this is really it says so for such people again it's Paul speaking in Corinthians for such people are false prophets deceitful workers disguise themselves as apostles of Christ for no wonder for Satan himself, di disguises himself as an angel of light so it's not with great surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness their end will be according to their works so the fact that the devil is described as an angel of light shouldn't surprise us that we get false prophets appearing in our midst um, and the other thing in this um, verse is be on your games prophets for they will come to you there it is in verse 15 they will come to you there's no need to go looking for them they will appear in our midst so beware test the spirit he says we don't need to chase after the latest teaching as it were in that sense because it'll come to us there will people arise within our midst in, in that what he's saying really and we've got to be aware of them that's not to say we discount everyone that comes in through the door but we've just got to be beware it says be on your guard of what's happening and then he says they're also described he said, false foot, who will come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves, or raging wolves. It's quite a, a thing, that. Um, I was thinking about this allergy, and, and I was thinking, it's, um, it's not, the false prophets aren't, in a sense, cloning themselves as being sheep within sheep. In that sense, I don't think. It's more like um, the shepherd themselves as a shepherd now I was thinking if, if you go back to New Testament times or even I suppose more recent times um, you've got the shepherd there with the sheep and yet what is his dress generally speaking when he's out in the middle of nowhere and he's got to keep warm and cold winter nights and all the rest of it um, and it's how we first got our clothing I suppose he takes a dead ewe or whatever um, skins it, turns it round um, and makes a coat out of it so the wool's on the inside and the, the leather part of the skin's on the outside um, if you can imagine that 
that's someone in sheep's clothing in that sense and then he's also got the smell of the sheep which is quite interesting um, and like being one of them um, I say that because being on a farm you pick up the smells of the farm around you I mean my wife <laughs> had a go at me the other day for hanging my outside coat in the cupboard because um, her coat was then smelling <laughs> of the cows <laughs> she didn't like that so I about to take my coat out but and I also had a relative once who had said she would never marry a pig farmer because they smell too much. But I'm just saying that I think in this case, it's mimicking the shepherd in their clothing. They're taking sheep's clothes and wrapping themselves around it. But inwardly, they are savage and ravishing wolves. And that's another thing, I mean, I go back to my farming. My auntie kept ducks and duck pen. And it was quite a... Um, devastating effect to see a fox got into a pen of uh, ducks and it doesn't kill one it tries to kill them all it goes here there and everywhere um, and I remember us as kids having guinea pigs once and we've we been out for the day and we come back and we had these little in, in this and yet a dog from the village had come and really ripped the whole pen apart and there wasn't one left alive um, and we had quite a number there then I mean this is a pitch, he says ferocious, but there's other definitions of raging, ferocious, devouring wolves. I mean, for the New Testament um, shepherd, a wolf was a very serious enemy to the flock. And for them to get in, which they would do, it's not a question of running at them from, uh, that this is disguise themselves so they could be in the flock before they even start their um, bad work. Um, and they would really, tear the flock apart and I'm sure we have seen churches that have been torn apart by um, bad preachers or teachers or, or people within a fellowship um, and trying to um, bring a different message than what um, is, is for us so the simplest thing here it says um, after that in verse 16 you'll recognise them by your f their fruit um, by their fruit how does that go first of all recognition observation really um, wait look and see don't jump on the first stranger that comes in and says you're nothing to do with us no welcome them in and then wait look and see basically what is the fruit of their lives um, now we all should be good at this now we've been studying the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter 5 um, I'll concentrate on the good fruit here verse 22 and 23 where it says of, of chapter 5 but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control the law is not against such things it says the fruit of the spirit first of all it's not fruits it talks about fruit in singular term but there's different shades to the one fruit which is love joy patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control in a sense all those should be visible from a person's life if they are truly followers of christ and followers of jesus whether they're just a member of the congregation or whether the preacher or leader of the congregation 
That is what it's really saying is by all their food you should know them. And if they're not exhibiting all that, um, then beware. Beware. There could be a ferocious wolf. So um, it's shades of, yeah, of one. But also implied in the passage, Curtis, Mr. Carson, is the contextual observation of the arguments going on i.e. we look at the passage itself and Jesus is talking about a broad and narrow way you, Nathan preached on last week two ways um, so from that perspective from their theology we should know what they're doing and what they're preaching about um, and all the way through the Sermon Mount Jesus is really preaching about the actions of thinking, not being pharisaical, which he's really against, and hypocritical, which he's really against. In the Sermon Mount, we've gone through it loads of times. Um, it's not what you're doing, it's why you're doing it, is more to the point. Um, there could be a popular way, but he, Jesus talks of a narrow way, and truly knowing Jesus is a character-changing experience and so it should be the true prophets do preach repentance of soul and not just a populist route which a lot of churches can get go down and um, you know if you follow this way you'll make yourself a fortune or ask it I'm just going to read this bit from Don Carson's book there is nothing in their preaching which fosters poverty of spirit, nothing which searches the conscience and makes men cry to God for mercy, nothing which exonerates all form of religious hypocrisy, nothing which prompts Eve such righteousness of conduct and attitude and some persecution is in inevitable. It is even possible in some instances that everything that the false teacher says is true, but because they leave out the difficult bits, they do not tell the whole truth and therefore their message is false. I just think that's very important to us in the fact that we've got to look at the whole message and the whole, through the whole gospel which someone is preaching to us. And then if we continue in this passage and Jesus is on about fruit and he says, um, a, you know in the same way every good tree produces good fruit but a bad tree produces bad fruit a good tree can't produce good fruit good fruit and a bad tree can neither produce bad fruit I mean there's positive and negative going on there all the time really which is quite interesting he's trying to emphasise the point that good trees produce good fruit and bad trees produce bad fruit and, and, and that's what he's saying here really um, it's to make it very sure and it's a very sure test as well in that sense that we can recognise good fruit and we can recognise bad fruit um, from a distance because he talks about um, thistles and things it's that from a distance trees may look fairly similar um, and so we may be taken in, from, but it's when we get close up to the situation and close up to the, what's being said that we can start recognising the fruit. 
again from a farming background, um, used to have agronomist to come and walk our fields regular with me, at the crops we had in the field, and he was looking for weeds and stuff like that, and he'd be walking across, oh, we've got some nettles growing here, Tim, we've got some chickweed over there, and we've got this and that, and he was pointing out, oh, and he knew the plants from the cotyledon stage, let alone a big bush, so he could, he could, because he was an expert, he could recognise um, the individual plants and what they were, and the little seedlings, what was growing up. I mean, we as Christians maybe not be theological experts and therefore we've got to wait a bit to l let the tree or the plant develop just to see what's happening but the fruit will out itself in that sense and therefore you will know the fruit it may take time sometimes um, but the fruit will out them. there's lots of passages in scripture about truth uh, being the fruit of people's lives best one of course is in John's gospel he talks about I, I am the vine and you the branches but he's also talking about the fruit that we have in our lives um, <coughs> so they're given time so there is, a, is definitely a link between the belief of someone and their conduct and that is what we're really watching is their conduct to see whether what they say backs up what they do and vice versa um, which is very good there's also right at the end of that first passage the element of final judgment which we'll come to in a bit where it says um, the bad tree and the bad tree is cut down and thrown into fire um, Jesus doesn't mince his words about that as I said at the beginning there's two ways two trees um, it's black or white in Jesus' eyes and so therefore there is a final judgment and that is carried through really into the next part where he says not everyone who says to me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father on that day many will say to me Lord, Lord didn't we prophesy in your name drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. We will all face Jesus one day. That's what he says. Those who come to me say, Lord, Lord. Everybody will face Jesus one day. And the more religious people say, Lord, Lord, to him, the cry will go up. Let me in. Let me in. But he will say to them, did you do the will of my father? And they said, well, Lord, Lord, we did many works in your name, prophesied in your name, drove out demons in your name, did many miracles in your name. But Jesus will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. And depending on which version you've got, it says, depart from me, you lawbreakers, or your evildoers, or your workers of lawlessness. It's quite a, a damning report on someone's lives. It's not only the false prophets here, it's the people in a sense that have followed the false prophets as well. They're crying out, Lord, Lord, here. And it says many, many will come to him and say, Lord, Lord. Last week he said, many go down the Broadway 
only a few find their own way and in this passage it says the one who does the will I mean that's in the singular term and yet then he says many will say to me Lord Lord I mean there is a big dis um, discrepancy between the numbers there in that sense and yet the gospel is open to all and sundry but it's only really the one that does the will of the Father and all through the Sermon on the Mount Jesus has been talking about this um, um, wherever you sort of go back to chapter 5 and lead through you, you see where he's kept constantly saying to different people you know do my will and do, do the things yeah, I mean chapter 6 it says be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others or to be seen by them otherwise you have no reward, reward with your father in heaven and then in verse 5 it says whenever you pray you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogue on the street corner truly I tell you they have their reward um, he keeps going on about it there is a difference there is a division and he's warning about it people just say if you follow the Sermon on the Mount you'll be alright but I don't think they really understand what he's trying to say in the Sermon on the Mount so the Pharisees themselves will be saying Lord, Lord to him because they think they're righteous but he'll be saying to them depart from me I never knew you see it's where your heart is that matters um, that are you doing the will of the Father go back to the Lord's Prayer what's the phrase there it says your will be done your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so he's saying to you know that's our model prayer your will be done we are to do the will of the Father I mean it's all about getting to know him because he says I never knew you so do we know Jesus how can we know Jesus is more the point in that sense so he can never say to us I never knew you we are to be known by Christ as individuals how do you know somebody I mean you know young chap meets a young girl how does he know her you know he can do an analytical thing of her from a chemistry point of view and work out what in her system and how much she's irons in her and how much phosphorus and all that in, in, ten, in one sense that's getting to know the individual and getting to know the person um, or they can stand afar off and um, just watch the behaviour and see what's going on in that sense and that's again thinking but you don't really get to know someone unless you start communicating on a one-to-one -one basis and really that's the picture here that we are to communicate with God on a one-to-one -one basis we are get to know him we are to spend time in our personal devotions our Bible studies spend time in fellowship with one another we're all brothers and sisters in Christ so we're part of his family so hopefully there's a little bit of Jesus in each one of us so getting to know each one of us and enjoying the fellowship the church services etc is a way of getting to know Jesus I mean people who think they can live their lives as individuals outside a church fellowship I don't think can do unless they're in very special circumstances in the middle of Africa or somewhere where there's no one else to talk to but it's really um, getting to know people is spending time with the individual spending time with Jesus 
um, so that we will know what the narrow way is. We will be doing the will of the Father. So when we get to the last day and we say, Lord, Lord, he'll say to us, enter in to your eternal rest. Few will be the final way, it says. Two more things briefly, I'll say briefly, which come out of this passage, and this is my thinking really, this is where Steve was in our group, he'd be holding his head in his hand now, because five minutes to go and I'll say something to him. <laughs> um, I, this passage troubled me as a, as a young Christian. Um, I came to know the Lord when I was about eight years old. I was baptised when I was 12. Um, I was about um, 15 when Colin came to, which I suppose is where a lot of my theological input started. Um, it came to, to the church. Um, I can remember him doing one Tuesday night saying... Um, so I must have been going to uh, Tuesday night meetings when I was sort of 15, 16 years old. Um, and he says, um, what should we say to God? Why should we, you know, if we get to heaven, um, Lord, Lord, you know, will he let us in? What, what, on what grounds will he let us in? And, you know, it, it, it troubles you a bit to some extent. Um, it was self-assurance, really, I suppose, assurance of knowing Christ which was a, um, a big thing. Um, and, you know, constantly praying prayer forgiveness. But then you got to read in passages like got in Romans 10, where Paul says, on the contrary, what did it say? The message is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I mean, the gospel's there the deity of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. And that is really factual in all departments. And he says, if, he says, if you believe that and confess that, you'll be saved. One believes with one's heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For Scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. And in a sense, you start clinging to them verses to... Um, gain acceptance to God in that sense but then again it's also experienced as well I think there's two sides one is scripture and one is experience of God in our own lives um, and in my early on I would be about 17 I suppose a youngish Christian in that sense um, at school playing rugby some people may know this already was a Saturday morning, I do believe. But anyway, I, I, I went from Saturday morning to grammar school and they were playing rugby, so I ended up playing rugby. Love sport, and I was in the team, and I don't know who we were playing. Anyway, I was playing the centre at this particular time, and um, the ball went out. I went down the line of the opposition. I went down, I tackled the person concerned, and of course, a big rock comes on top of you, and um, next minute I'm under the rock. In my own mind, I think I've got to get out to get back in the line. So I struggle to get back out. And we'll go to stand up and I just pass out. It's concussion. I try and stand up again and I just blanked out. And my mind, the whole world, it just went a complete little blank. 
I didn't know where I was. My he head was splitting, headache. I don't remember being hit on the head as such, but I just, um, and I, I just, you know, and I can remember them. I mean, today they take you off, but they try and keep you going then. And uh, I remember the referees getting there to put my head between my knees and all that, so they trying to wake me up. And eventually they asked me what time of day it was and all that. I said, well, I had a clue, really, and what day it was. Um, anyway, I, I continued playing the rest of the game, but it was complete bl blur to me because I just did not know what was happening. I can remember one or two instances of tackling somebody and that I can remember standing on the post while they were waiting to do a kickover, asking our teammates what the score was. I think we were losing, that's another story. Um, and I just didn't know. And I had a headache for weeks afterwards. Really, really bad headache. But in amongst all that, on the pitch, wondering what was happening to me and everything, I just um, got that verse. I've just read to you. Jesus died for our sins. He rose again. He's coming again. I believe in him. I trust in him. And that just gave me assurance. And I didn't mind what happened after that. And in a sense, I still don't mind what happens after that. I know where my future is. Um, and I was at peace with the situation. Even though I may have had a splitting headache for weeks after. I was at peace with it because I felt the comfort and the confidence of God in my life. Um, yeah, and one other quick thing which Steve can hold his heads on there said, there's a problem of pain and suffering going on here, which I think needs to be addressed. Jesus says, here, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, he makes it personal to me. On that last day, Jesus is going to be the judge and jury of everybody. And he says to me, that's a personal statement, he said it twice there in that passage. He doesn't infer it's somebody else, he says me. And I just think that's phenomenal when you think of it. I say the problem of pain and suffering. We're all made in the image of God, Christian, non-Christian, which gives us, I think, a morality which is across the world and in the other face and different things. And it also gives us a sense of justice, which I think everyone has to some greater or lesser extent in our lives because we are made in the image of God. But we also know that things are happening that we don't agree with. Why do little kids, which Stephen Fry goes about, and that's why he's not Christian, he says, think it's other reasons as well but little kids get worms in their eyes and make them blind in Africa and all that sort of thing why does that happen I don't know pain and suffering why do people suffer a lot of pain and suffering I don't know in a sense and sometimes a lot of injustices go on in this world and people seem to get away with it that can't be right um, I mean Hitler committed suicide well he should have faced a judge and jury on this earth but he never has done has he got away with it? Don't think so. Pol Pot, all the mass graves, mass persecution on the other side of the political scale. Again, people massacred for no fault of their own. And, and that's on the wider scale. But individually, sometimes we say that can't be right. People dealing with us done us wrong, you know, and seem to have got away with it. But the point is this one day we will all stand 
before Jesus, he says, when you stand before me and say, Lord, Lord. And because of that, he will dispense his ultimate justice on each one of us who has ever lived on this earth. And then he will say to individuals, depart from me to eternal death or enter into my kingdom. The point is, which category are you in? Let us just pray. Our dear loving Heavenly Father, we just pray that what I said and done may be just acceptable in your sight, Lord, and we just pray that one day we will be standing before you, Lord, and we just pray that when we say, Lord, Lord, you'll be saying, enter into your eternal rest. Lord, we just pray that we may live our lives, that we may get to know you and do the will of the Father in our lives now here on this earth, Lord. And we do pray for that in your precious name. Amen. I'm going to pray for us, then we're going to close uh, our time together. But uh, it might be good if you are able to, to stay around and talk with one another, perhaps if there's something from that uh, passage that's uh, struck you, or something you think, oh, actually, I'd like to talk a bit more about that, so that's, that's really jumped out at me, or perhaps something where you think, actually, I'd, I'd want to think through a bit more how to put this into practice in my life. Maybe uh, take that opportunity now. But let me close in prayer. Father, we want to thank you for the warnings that uh, Jesus gives here for us to watch out, for us to watch out for those who are saying things that are not right, whose lives do not match uh, what they should do. We pray that we wouldn't be those people ourselves, that we would not be simply uh, saying, Lord, Lord, oh, look at all the stuff we've done, but haven't actually uh, had a, a, a genuine relationship with you. We pray that you would help us to bear good fruit in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.